Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 122, The Power, Authority, Goodness, and Glory of God. So we find the Nephite kingdom in a predicament. Persecution is growing among them, particularly between those who belong to the church and those who don't. Alma took the concerns to King Mosiah, and then King Mosiah consulted with his priests, and it was decided that a proclamation would be sent out to all the land, that there should not be any unbeliever persecuting anyone belonging to the church of God. And there was also a strict command that was sent throughout all of the churches that there should be no persecutions among them. There should be equality for all. How long have we been dealing with inequality? How long have we struggled to be tolerant of one another and of our differences that we might not understand and treat each other decently and well? Well, a long time it appears. And what is God's answer to this problem? What did his servants instruct the people to do to bring about equality for all? The people of the church were instructed, essentially, to beware of pride. And when I think of pride, my mind recalls the legendary talk by President Ezra Taft Benson. My mind has condensed his cautions down to the four C's. Remember, beware of contention, competition, conceit, and even lack of confidence. How often do these things cause so much grief to grow within us and place us in opposition to one another? The members were also counseled to beware of haughtiness, which is a fruit of pride, the appearance or quality of being arrogantly superior and disdainful. The people are warned that they should not let pride nor haughtiness disturb their peace. And it does, doesn't it? It destroys our inner peace. As all those destructive human emotions circulate within us, pitting us against each other, looking down upon others, secretly fearing that we are failing or in danger of losing all of our worth. So much commotion pride and haughtiness causes. And it is fascinating to me that in the spirit of establishing equality for all, that the people were counseled to start in their own hearts, on their own perceptions of themselves and others. Mosiah just said, stop it and treat each other well. We are all equal. They were instructed to begin in their own hearts and to clean that up. And then the members were taught that every man should esteem his neighbor as himself. And that can be hard, can't it? Especially when we're still at odds with them. When we're still placing our perspective in a superior position to theirs. And sometimes I've found it's easier to act as if you esteem that neighbor as yourself. And then allow the feelings to catch up with you, allow those feelings to evolve and fall into line, and then allow the contrary evidence that you have to fade away as you just start having new experiences. 
And I'm not talking about being disingenuous and insincere, but rather exercising and putting power behind the desire, behind the thought that you will esteem others as yourself and then acting as if you do. And finally, again, the people are instructed. I should have counted how many times they've been instructed to do this, but they were instructed to labor with their own hands for their support. And we know that King Benjamin has spoken to them about this. His son, King Mosiah, reiterated it. And then also Alma, when he formed the church and they wanted to have a king, he brought this up too. It is an essential principle that we can see when exercise has brought blessings and success to the people, when they've labored with their own hands for their own support. In all cases, save it were in sickness or in much want. Putting off pride, stripping yourself of haughtiness, esteeming your neighbors as yourself and laboring for your own support in the world. Well, that qualified the people to abound in the grace of God. His enabling power was upon them, and there began to be much peace in the land. And the people began to be very numerous, and they scattered abroad upon the face of the earth, north, south, east, west. They were building large buildings and cities and villages in all the quarters of the land. And the Lord did visit them and prosper them, And they became a large and wealthy people for a time. Sometimes when we read the scriptures, we forget to leave space for the good times. So I want to draw attention to the chapter heading that this time period was from 100 to 92 BC. And towards the end of this time frame is when things began to escalate again. Painfully, We learn in this chapter that some of our righteous leaders, King Mosiah and Alma, that their children are among the unbelievers of the time. The scriptures specifically highlight the ways of Alma, the son of Alma. And for now on through this episode, I'm going to refer to him as Alma the Younger. That isn't found in scripture. And I'll just say the name to distinguish him from his father. So we have Father Alma and we have his son, Alma the Younger. But the scriptures refer to him as being an idolatrous man and a man of many words. In fact, he possessed that skill of flattery that we've seen isn't a good thing. He leads many people to do after the manner of his own iniquities. In fact, in chapter 28 of Mosiah, Mormon refers to Alma and the sons of Mosiah as being the most vilest of sinners. And their words and behavior and their iniquities actually become a hindrance to the prosperity of the church of God. They must have caused great confusion among the people because many hearts were stolen from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there was much dissension among the church. And Mormon indicates that this actually gave a chance for the enemy of God to exercise his power over them. And just a little side note, we easily remember that Satan, the adversary, is an enemy to God. But so is the natural man. And we're able to see the contrast that when the people put off the natural man and they desired after righteousness, 
when they put off pride, stripped themselves of haughtiness, esteemed their neighbor as themselves, and labored with their own hands for their support, the grace of God or his enabling power was upon them. However, when they embrace the natural man, when we replace our worship of God with idolatrous objects or even beliefs, and we use flattery and we engage in iniquity, we are then exposed to the enemy of God and his power. Now, I'm confident that you know the story of Alma the Younger. Here in Mosiah chapter 27, it's the first time we hear about his conversion. But in a nutshell, he and the sons of Mosiah were acting contrary to the commandments of God and also contrary to the commandments of King Mosiah. They were seeking to destroy the church. That was their intention. And an angel of God stopped them in their tracks. An angel descended, as it were, in a cloud, and he spake, as it were, with a voice of thunder, which caused the earth to shake under them. The angel's purpose, he said, was to convince Alma the Younger and the sons of Mosiah of the power and authority of God, and to also answer the prayers of Alma and the Lord's people according to their faith. And that must have been some powerful faith, right? And when you read the angel's visitation to Alma, keeping in mind his purpose to convince the men of God's power and authority, well, things start to stand out to you, such as, how did the angel appear to these enemies of God? These natural men who appeal to their senses, who don't appeal to the Holy Spirit. Well, he met them where they're at. He, appeal, he appeared unto them, descending in a cloud so that their eyes might see. And the angel, as he spoke, he spoke in a voice of thunder so that they might hear. And he caused the earth to shake and tremble as though it would part asunder. So they're having a visual experience. They are hearing the voice of the angel and they are feeling the power of God through the shaking of the ground beneath them. This experience astonished the men so much that they fell to the earth. At first, even, they weren't even able to understand the angel's words. This entire experience was so overpowering for them, so much so that the man who was good with his words and flattered people away from the church, he couldn't even open his mouth. Even for a few days after the visitation, he couldn't move even his hands. All of his strength was removed from him when he was placed in front of a messenger of God. Power. And as far as the authority of God, the angel informed Alma the Younger and the sons of Mosiah that this church that they busied themselves in destroying was the church of God, and he will establish it. Nothing will overthrow it, not them, not Satan. The only thing that can have an impact upon his church being established among this people was the transgressions of the people. It is under his authority that sets up the commandments, priesthood, covenants, and ordinances of the gospel. It is under his authority that the prayers of the people are answered, and it is by his authority that the angel appeared to these men in the first place. God sent this angel. 
And before the angel departs, the angel commands Alma to remember the captivity of their fathers and how the Lord delivered them out of bondage. He also instructed Alma to go thy way and to stop seeking to destroy the church. And I find that interesting. He didn't command Alma to repent. Isn't that interesting? He said, go thy way. Though he did warn Alma, the younger, how close he was to being cast off. That repentance process would need to be Alma's choice as he went his way. But going his way was going to look a little different. Alma had no strength. The sons of Mosiah had to carry him to his father, and they are the ones that related all that had happened. And instead of despairing, you know what Alma did? The great faith of Alma is evident because his reaction was to rejoice. He knew it was of God, and he gathered the people to see for themselves what the Lord had done for his son. And then another lesson is about to take place because of the great faith of Alma and the people of the Lord. So because of the great faith of Alma, that angel appeared to his son. And the purpose was to teach him about the power and authority of God. Now, Alma and his priests are fasting and praying for two days. They fast for Alma the younger to be able to open his mouth and to receive his strength. But the purpose for this fast and prayer of recovery was that the eyes of the people might be opened so that they can see the goodness and the glory of God. So now we're going to read verses 23 to 32, looking for evidence of the goodness and the glory of God. The prayers and fasting of Alma and the priests, the Lord accepts them. Alma the younger, he receives his strength and he is able to speak, even bidding the people to be of good comfort. Alma the younger then testifies that he had been redeemed of the Lord. And can you place yourself amongst the witnesses for a moment? They knew of his iniquities and they knew how vile he had been against the church. Yet, After this experience, he could stand and testify that he had been redeemed of the Lord. What message would your heart be receiving right now? If you had been practicing the stripping yourself of pride and haughtiness and esteeming your neighbor as yourself, then this would be a fantastic and hope-filled occurrence because if Alma could be redeemed after all he had done, if the atonement of Jesus Christ could even take in all that he had done to the children of God, then Jesus Christ's atonement is working for you too. Just imagine the confidence and peace that would fill your heart. How good and glorious. Alma the Younger then spoke of experiencing a rebirth, being born of the Spirit, being born of God. And what does that mean? Because God is good and because God is glorious, He will rescue us from this carnal state that we all have been born into. 
He will rescue us from our fallen state and literally change us from carnal into righteousness. And during and through this process, we then become his sons and his daughters. We become new creatures even. And do you understand that? You are changed forever. Never ever going back to where you once had been. Even if you do lose your faith, you are changed. And because of the goodness and glory of God, because of God's mercy, Alma the Younger was snatched from everlasting burning and he was set aright. And do you get that? It's because of God's mercy treating people better than they deserve. There's no way Alma could make it up before he received redemption. The Lord in his mercy had to reach out and set him right. And just like him, the Lord's mercy is available to set us aright, allowing us to behold the marvelous light of God and relieving our soul's pain. I love that part. The Alma's soul's pain was relieved. The Lord remembers every creature of his creating, and he will manifest himself unto all. That is his promise. And Alma testifies that that will be our reality. One of my favorite scriptures that gives me such a marvelous vision of the coming of Christ comes from Alma the Younger's testimony here in this chapter. The testimony of his redemption and his rebirth. He testifies that when the Lord will manifest himself to all, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess before him. Yea, even at the last day when all men shall stand to be judged of him, then shall they confess that he is God. I love to imagine myself in that position. Sister Scriptorians, because of your covenants and continual repentance, you too have been born of God, becoming new creatures. Because of His mercy, take note of the power, authority, goodness, and glory of God. He is not a respecter of persons, and these blessings are available to all that choose Him.